If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Now, let's jump into the show. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies, and on this episode, we're going to talk about money. Everyone's favorite thing to discuss. We're going to talk about how the Rockies build moving forward based on our newest understanding of where they are financially speaking. Now, in my estimation, very little changed yesterday. We just got confirmation of something most of us knew was the case uh, when the Rockies I don't know if I did this right when they officially were I think I did it before they were mathematically eliminated but once the writing was really on the wall that this wasn't going to be the year I did a whole podcast where I ran through the budget and so I don't want to reiterate too much of that I'll maybe link to it on Twitter try to share it with people if you haven't listened before I'm sure if you just googled uh, you know the podcast and budget it'll come up <clears throat> but Part of what we talked about there was this, that the the Rockies have one year in 2020 where they really don't have any flexibility. This was understood a while ago, that they were going to be in this position. And I had used the phrase a couple of times, they could bite the bullet and decide that for one season, they could have a bit of an inflated roster budget, 
knowing that it's going to drop down the next year. And that's really the one thing that we learned during the media availability from Dick Monfort that will not be happening. He basically came out and said, our budget is what it is. We're not going to go out and make a huge splash. And he used that phrase particularly a couple of times. And I think it's important to differentiate between we're not going to make a huge splash and we're not going to do anything, which is how a lot of folks seem to have interpreted it. Now, of course, I think a lot of folks have just assumed they're not going to do anything anyway. And so that's how those comments were going to be read. And and I understand where a lot of that comes from. For one, it is true that the Rockies have made the fewest number of transactions. They may be second, but they're definitely in the bottom two for wheeling and dealing in Jeff Breidich's tenure. And I actually asked him about that when he came on this very podcast. And and he spoke at length about a kind of consistency that he thinks is valuable to some of the unique problems that the Rockies face that, uh, that other teams don't. But things do change as seasons go. And I think steady as she goes was the right way to operate for these last couple of years. But that formula has changed a little bit. And again, this was admitted to by Jeff Breidich and Dick Monfort and Bud Black in this press conference, and I don't feel like it's getting enough attention. When asked about what were some things they could have done better, uh, and actually this was before they were even asked that specifically. At one point, they were just asked about being patient, and Jeff Breidich admitted, sometimes I'm a little bit too patient. Sometimes I'm a little bit too, you know, let's see what happens here or there, and made it sound like that's something he's going to try to change up a little bit here. Now with some new issues out in front of him, he's going to have to be a little bit more proactive. Now again, this all needs to be judged based on what is done and not what is said. If we're going into spring training 2020, and I have said this many, many, many times on this podcast, if we're going into spring training 2020, and it's almost the exact same roster, I will be just as critical of anyone that that is the case. Because the Rockies need to make improvements. They have to change their roster. There's no way around that. I've said it many, many times. But I also feel like they said it yesterday in the way that GMs, managers, and owners can do because they're never, ever, 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 not the good ones anyway, um, and not that they're, (laughs) I know a bunch of people just rolled their eyes at me calling them the good ones, but it's not a good idea to come out and say, oh yeah, I wish we had never signed so-and-so. I wish, I hope we can find a way to trade Wade Davis. Well, then if you don't trade Wade Davis, he shows up at spring training and now you've, you've messed yourself up two ways. Uh, you know, so they're not going to get into those very specific kinds of things. They have to speak to us, hoping that we will read between the lines. And I went back and counted. Again, this was almost an hour-long conversation. Ten different instances in which they themselves referenced going outside the organization for help. Now, they do this in very nonspecific ways, so it's easy for people to ignore in light of the comment, they're not going to make a big splash, therefore the Rockies are standing pat, they don't have any money, the farm system is bad, they're totally screwed. And totally miss all the parts where they said, well, actually, we're going to be very active at seeing what kind of pitchers out there might be able to help us out. That was brought up specifically, searching for pitching help. 
from outside the organization. Uh, Dick Monfort talked about getting creative in trying to improve the roster. Yes, they talk about internal improvement, and I'll get to that in a minute because I know a lot of people roll their eyes when they talk about internal improvement, but they really shouldn't when it comes to the Colorado Rockies and particularly this group of guys. I'll, I'll probably get to that at the end. But I just want to make it clear, as somebody who was in the room, that the Rockies' brain trust, whatever, however you want to call it, collectively here, did not come out and say, we're not making any moves, we're coming back with the same roster. They specifically said the opposite of that many, many times. There's going to be a limit to what they can do, but at the same time, that's actually okay because they shouldn't be making the huge splash. Even if they had the funds to do so, it probably would not be a wise maneuver for the Colorado Rockies to be spending big money. What's the Rockies' biggest issue right now? In one word. I hope everyone in unison just said the same thing. Because if you said a different word, I apologize, but you're incorrect. The word is pitching. Biggest problem this year, and if you could put it in one word, is not Breidich, is not black was not hitting defense was an issue was not even roster construction which is two words however roster maybe you you would go roster as your one word but really pitching that's what cost the rockies in 2019 so if they had a bunch of money to spend and we've done this dance before too imagine let's just say they could they didn't have any some rando gm just decided hey i'll take all those contracts i believe wade davis jake mcgee and brian char are going to be awesome next year and i'll take them all for nothing i'm not giving you anything good in return but i'm taking all that money and now the rockies could go out and spend that what would they need to spend that on you guessed it pitching now how many times in the history of the colorado rockies have they spent big money on pitching and had it work out Yeah, right. Exactly that number of times. It do, it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened in the bullpen. It hasn't happened with starters. It hasn't happened as recently as the exact problem that they're in right now. And so while yes, it would it's all look, I'm that that's obviously a very <laughs> you'd rather have the resources than not have the resources. So yes, I'm 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 making a very specific argument here because it's better to have $30 million to spend than not $30 million to spend. But there, the, the thing of it is, it wouldn't make sense for the Rockies to go out and buy the big-name free agent pitcher anyway. It never has. They have to make more subtle moves than that. Now they're forced into it because of some admittedly poor decisions in the past, or at the very least, decisions that didn't make out, bringing these guys in the first place, to have Desmond Shaw McGee, such and such. Ken Gold, perfectly stated. The Rockies are actually better off right now if Jeff Breidich doesn't make any major signings, right? And then if you don't make any of these major signings, then you don't have the problem of, well, we've got to leave him out there because he's got a contract. If they, if the biting of the bullet this season isn't inflating the budget, but rather leaving it where it is, but just getting rid of the roster spots for one or two of those, at, at least one, preferably two of those relievers, 
pay them to go away. You're not going to bring in someone who's making the $9 million that Jake McGee or Brian Shaw or the $7 million that they were going to make. You're not replacing it with someone with that same contract, but you can absolutely get a better baseball player who's going to play at league minimal. Minimal? <laughs> Minimalum. That guy can make your team better. And so that's where they need to be creative in the first place anyway. Some of those guys, they may have already gone out and got kind of under the radar. They did, they've done some very interesting things. I think they've already shown you the strategy here, which I think is the right one, whether they had the money or not. Unless you were going to throw all of it at a, at a Madison Bumgarner type of player, having that money I don't think was going to solve the issue that the Rockies have right now because what they need are relievers who can get it done. And whether those guys come with big price tags or not, as we've learned, that, that's not the deciding factor. So they bring in Wes Parsons, and Philip Deal, and Joe Harvey, and James Pazos. These are not guys who any one of them, you go, yeah, that's a closer of the future. That's a setup guy, or that's a rely. We still don't know anything about any of those guys. What we do know is you've got two lefties with good stuff, two righties with good stuff. None of them are making any money. And so you can find out who, in a position that's very volatile, gets hot and has a good year next year and really comes into their own. And that's the place where this is the most important. Now, if it was me, I would wish that they had some money to spend on starting pitching. I still like the idea of going out and signing a Tanner Roark. And again, I don't know if that would constitute a big splash. I wouldn't be surprised if they looked at the catcher market. They're not going to get Grand Dahl. But the, I still think they've got between 4 and $10 million to spend this offseason, which means, yeah, you don't get a marquee player, but you can bring in one or two solid veterans to help you in key areas. And that's exactly what the Rockies need anyway, whether it's some solid veterans you feel are a little more reliable or attacking the problem with numbers and a bunch of young guys this is the strategy that has always worked out for the Colorado Rockies versus the other one where spending money big and free agency on pitchers who've done things in other places has never worked out for the Colorado Rockies. But if they needed to build their core, if they needed to add uh, uh, an impact player to the core of their roster, I would understand the consternation over the lack of money to spend and again I do think a lot of this is just kind of in hindsight wanting to dunk on Jeff Breidich for having signed the contracts that put them in this place and you know what fair enough they they signed bad contracts that put them in this place and they would have more flexibility as Ken said if they just literally didn't sign those guys it's just weird to me that the prescription to that problem for a lot of people seems to be so they should have a bunch of money and go sign a bunch of guys uh, <laughs> because again the Rockies core and I've done the math on this. If, and, and I think it's a core of like 13 players on your 25-man roster that are solid to obviously up to the elite level with Nolan and, and Trevor and however you see Charlie and Dahl. 13 guys who are all plus contributors for your team who average out to 26 years old. So you have the players who should drive your success, right? We know that a team 
driven by Arenado, Blackman, Story, John Gray, Kyle Freeland, Hermen Marquez, can get to the postseason and can win 91 games. We know this because we have literally seen them do it. There was another really good line that came out of the media availability that I didn't think you know, got enough attention. And Jeff Breidich said, you know, it's not like we're counting on I guess I'm going to jump into the internal improvement argument here um, because he said it's not that we're counting on something we've never seen before. I understood, even though I disagreed, in 2013 and 2014 when I would go on radio shows and the team was awful, like no expectations even coming into the year, awful. And I spent most of my time watching the minor leagues because the major league team was, you guessed it, awful. So I'm watching guys like John Gray. Kyle Freeland, and Ryan McMahon, Ryan Altapia, and you know eventually Brendan Rodgers. But all these guys who were doing it, Carlos Estevez. I'm seeing these guys in the minors. I'm going, it's going to work out. These guys are going to come up. They're going to be a much better baseball team. But I would say that to people on the radio, and they'd go, we've heard that before. We've heard that guys who were high picks or guys who look good in the minors were going to come up and save the Rockies, and it hasn't worked out. Now, this time, those guys did come up, and they did go to back-to-back postseasons. And that's why they're not in the same position. Counting on Kyle Freeland to be good in the major leagues is not an out-of-this-world, ridiculous thing to think might happen for somebody who, just a few months ago, placed fourth in National League Cy Young voting. I mentioned the core averaging out to 26 years old. So while I understand that it's frustrating for the team to keep referencing internal improvement i also think it is dishonest for anyone who wants to analyze it to not legitimately take a look at the possibilities for internal improvement right you can't just say oh they're going to be the exact same team because they come back with the exact same players they aren't the exact same team right now as we sit here today than they were when they started the 2019 season and there's a lot of things that unfolded in front of our very eyes that dramatically change the complexion of what you should expect from certain guys going into next year. Sam Hilliard was an absolute zero-known non-commodity on a national level uh, in the conscious of 90% of Rockies fans coming into this year. Now, he looks like he's got a decent shot to either win the fourth outfielder position or maybe make one of these other young, valuable players movable or himself movable for pitching help one of the many ways the rockies can get better without having to spend money they do have assets to trade and looking at it in a wide sort of vacuum context of the farm system isn't good and the team is bad therefore they don't have any assets the rockies have an extraordinary number of assets that they could move around if they so chose, in order to make themselves better. I know a lot of Rockies fans have soured on Brendan Rodgers because he didn't look super awesome for a week and a half, and then he got hurt. But around the league, Brendan Rodgers is still considered one of the top prospects in the game. And if the Rockies decided it finally is, they're just going to have to move him because that's the only way they can get the pitching help they really desire, that is at their disposal. As is now moving a Sam Hilliard or a Rymel Tapia or a Garrett Hampson players who have all increased their value in 2019 especially at the end of the year you can move one of those guys to help you with pitching 
if, if that's what you so desire. Or you can hold on to them to help you with hitting and defense next year. And that's value that you didn't have, particularly uh, with Hampson and Hilliard, for the vast majority of 2019. Ryan McMahon is a different baseball player now than he was when the season began. Iro Diaz was a non-factor coming into 2019. He looks like the setup guy going into 2020. These are major differences. Wade Davis is no longer this team's closer. What role he will have or whether or not he will even be on the team in 2020 remains to be seen. Jeff Breidich had a comment about we may be bringing some guys in, some guys may be moving on to other places. The people who are running with the narrative that the Rockies are standing pat seem to be overlooking that quote. But there are going to be some players that aren't here next year. He could be one of them, or he could be a a sixth or seventh inning guy who suddenly rediscovers himself, and then the Rockies have a really strong back end of the rotation. Or it could go the other way. They bite the bullet, but it doesn't matter nearly as much next year. This is what I'm saying. It will not matter if Wade Davis is terrible in 2020 and he's still on the Rockies, it'll have far less of an impact in 2020 than it did in 2019. That's just a fact. He's not going to have the same job. And so there's a lot of those things that I think are getting overlooked. But the, the biggest thing for me is it's just strange that a team that's got Nolan Arenado, who, believe it or not, is still improving, Trevor Story, still improving, needs to cut down on the strikeouts and has made a, a really strong effort to do so still coming into his physical prime David Dahl still improving still coming into his physical prime all of them down the line guys who are on the upward trend Ryan Tapia, we talked about Ryan McMahon Tony Walters is very clearly on an upward trend coming into his physical prime the only players that the Rockies have who are on downward trends are guys that they've made it pretty clear they've moved on from being in important roles. The only one you could argue who's a part of the core who's on a downward trend is Charlie Blackman. And he's only on a downward trend uh, defensively and on the basis. The guy still mashes. And so, uh, honestly, it's it, it, even that's a difficult argument because you hit at a certain level, that stuff matters a lot less. But that's it. Ian Desmond's not the starting center fielder for this team anymore. Wade Davis isn't the closer for this team anymore. Whether Brian Shaw or Jake McGee or these other guys are are around or not, they will not be playing an important role for the Rockies in 2020 unless they really rebound and turn stuff around. But they've been replaced already by players who are on upward trends and are heading into their physical primes. And, And hopefully they're mental primes right and so yes it is fair for the Rockies to talk about internal improvement and that doesn't mean that you have to get a bunch of players from your own minor league system people keep talking about the the farm system being depleted I've been over and over why I just don't buy that they said basically the same thing yesterday like those farm system rankings are all messed up and you get into technicalities over Antonio Sensatella could very well have spent each of the last three years in the minor leagues. He's 24. Herman Marquez is 24 years old. 
And those guys have three years of big league experience and are getting better. Development doesn't stop when you get to the big leagues. In fact, every single ball player, every single one of them, 100% of major leaguers will tell you that the most development they did in their games was once they got to the big leagues. That's where Freeland's got to figure it out now. Marquez has got to reach that next level. John Gray has got to be there. Look at what's happened with Scott Oberg over the last several years. Carlos Estevez, the way he got there. Ryan Tapia, Ryan McMahon, Garrett Hampson. These guys are figuring it out. They're figuring out the nuances of Coors. And if this team can just build a damn bullpen out of dudes, you don't need... In fact, it's not even a good idea to go sign Andrew Miller if you had the money to do it. And look at the way his season ended. Guy's been one of the most reliable relievers. That phrase should almost be outlawed, reliable relievers. So if it's a crapshoot anyway, why spend the money on it? Like I said, I'd like, I'd like the notion of spending some money in the rotation. I think one solid vet there would really lock a lot of things into place nicely for the Rockies. But let's not pretend like they have zero flexibility just because they don't have financial flexibility. They can create, I haven't done, I mean, everybody knows they can create financial flexibility if they decide to trade Charlie Blackman or if they could get out from underneath Murphy or Desmond or McGee or Shaw. But assume those are low percentage plays. Those are all low percentage plays. It might happen. And, and, if, you know, and that's up to Jeff Breidich. That's why Dick Mumford's going, hey, as it stands, we don't have the money to spend. But Breidich could say, hey, look, I found someone to take that guy. And they go, hey, look, well, then we do have money to spend. These things change. Things are very fluid. But anyone who was expecting before yesterday that the Rockies were going to go out and make a big splash, I'm, not, I'm just not sure what they were looking at. That was never really in the cards for the 2020 team. And I'm, as I've said, I, I don't know that there was that guy to go get to come in and fix this thing. I think you need a bunch of dudes to show up in spring training, battle it out, see who gets hot, and and can make that bullpen work. I, I think the biggest issue is still starting pitching, and that is my continued fascination with the conversations around this team because there seems to be a willingness to overlook particularly Kyle Freeland, but just everything that went wrong with the starting pitching this year, that looking forward, it would be weird to expect it to be exactly the same in 2020. So, anyway, I think I'm going to wrap up that part of the conversation here, go to a quick commercial break, remind everyone to drink some Breckenridge brews, because it's that time of year where the vanilla porters and the Colorado cores are just that perfect kind of crispy, tasty fall beverage for all of you. So go over to uh, Breckenridge Brewery or swing by our friends over at Total Bev and pick up a six-pack of the Breck. Uh, it's just damn good beer, and it's the official beer of DNVR. I've got a few more thoughts on how the Rockies can get creative and, and build moving forward that I want to share with everybody after a quick break. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver and their goal is to treat player development 
just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs, you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more. Hey, you all know that taking care of your teeth is pretty important, so it's good that we're going to let you know about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental who are offering a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray or exam. That's right. All you have to do is take care of your teeth for them to hand over a free Sonicare. So check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. Welcome back into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Wanted to jump into some things now that came out of the media availability that I thought were really interesting that seemed to be getting lost in the shuffle with all of the consternation over Nolan Arenado's opt-out two years from now and some of these budget concerns. And some of them, I, I think, are a little bit related. There was a one specific thing that I want to mention, it was just very specific. A lot of this was broad reaching and, and supposed to be kind of a wide angle view of, uh, of the team. But they were asked about one ball player specifically, and uh, it, that ball player was Daniel Murphy. And it was interesting because, as is typically the case, Bud Black kind of went to bat for his guy a little bit. But he also said, you know, Yes, I, I think he, he needs to get better defensively. He he said, you know, he'd rather have those conversations with the player, and that's how you want your manager to respond. But Jeff Breidich had a very interesting one-sentence reaction, and most of the questions that he was asked, he went on kind of at length, and then people have <laughs> picked out which parts of that they've chosen to pay attention to. But in this particular example, all he said was, I thought Daniel Murphy's year was just okay. And I thought that was a very interesting response. One, I think that does admit some culpability on his part. Nobody is confused about who decided to bring Daniel Murphy into the organization. So while, yes, to some degree, he's putting that on the ball player, that also goes on him as well. And he knows that. He knows that that's the case. But the other thing that suggested to me was that there may be be a real push here to move Daniel Murphy and or uh, decrease his role. I, I thought it was a very blunt thing for Bright to say when typically they avoid that kind of thing. And he just came out and said, I, th I thought he was just okay all around. In fact, because he was only asked about the defense. 
And, you know, I and I agree. I, th- I believe it was Patrick Saunders who asked this question. And, and I, I really agree because I think one of the ways that the Rockies can, back to our internal improvement conversation, make themselves a lot better without making a single move outside the organization would be to make Ryan McMahon the everyday first baseman, especially if they had a, a legitimate, valuable option at second. And I think they've got a couple with Hampson and Rogers, or you could go out and sign a guy like there's actually an interesting class of veteran second basemen coming off of bad years, but who have been solid and fundamental baseball players for most of their careers. In fact, two guys who are very, very similar, Joe Panic and Scooter Jeanette, neither of whom are super exciting moves. Uh, neither of whom would cost much because they both had very bad years, career low years for both of those guys, but they're still in their early 30s. It shouldn't cost much. They're solid to pretty good defensively. And both guys have had years where the bats have really come around. They've been decent contact guys. Scooter Jeanette has raked at Coors Field in his career. So that's a guy you could go out and maybe sign for 2 or $3 million, move McMahon to first base, and you've made your team significantly better. But the elephant in the room is, of course, Daniel Murphy. And that brings me back to this whole what is the role? Of these guys like there's an interesting chance that the Rockies might just have like an upside down team value but that who cares because it works and what I mean by that is several of their most expensive players taking Blackman and Arenado out of the mix because they'll be good but after that the next grouping of their most expensive players are going to be guys who aren't in key roles and I could very easily see a scenario where both Ian Desmond and Daniel Murphy are bench players for this team. And that's a legitimate thing. And I know, again, the narratives that have been built over the years have had a lot of people saying, well, the Rockies would never do that. They don't trust the young guys and they trust the veterans. But let's also remember, Ryan Tapia is not 22 anymore. Ryan McMahon's not 22 anymore. They trust, I promise you this, they trust Ryan McMahon more now than they did at the beginning of the year. They trust Ryan Tapia now more than they did at the beginning of the year. Carlos Estevez, Iro Diaz. I went over the names in the first segment. But those players have more faith from the organization. That does allow you to say, we don't have to keep throwing Ian Desmond out there every day. I don't believe that Ian Desmond's going to be a starter for this team in 2020. He'll be an overpaid bench player because I don't think the contract's going anywhere either. But that's kind of fine. If he can hit left-handed pitching well and, and not be... You know, a major drop off the way they had to see when they had to throw Jonathan Daza out there at times this year, then that's fine. And it's going to be very similar with, you know, what I was talking about earlier. If, if Wade Davis is pitching the sixth inning, you know, like, well, that's weird that your guy making 17 million is your sixth inning middle reliever, and, and you got a couple of young Latin ball players who are making league minimum who are setting up ball games for your closer who's in his second year of arbitration. But whatever, who cares? Right? And, and that's going to be. I think another part of this that are, that people are overlooking is they're assuming if they do come back with the exact same team or with much of the same team, which I expect many of the, the players will, will be the same, that they'll have to play them the same way. And I just, I mean, they showed you after the All-Star break, they already made it clear. Ian Desmond's not the starting center fielder anymore. Wade Davis not the closer anymore. Uh, and, and Desmond has now, I think, become a bench player. And I think that that's fine. But... That comment about about Daniel Murphy is is key in all of this because if they can trade him, 
or if they feel comfortable saying, let's see how he hits. If he doesn't get better defensively, then we can bench him because you can replace and it's like I'm saying in the bullpen you can replace his value with someone you don't have to pay as much so then you don't feel as bad about him not being worth the level of his contract there are a lot of interesting ways the Rockies can do this and I asked them specifically about one of them and that was analytics Colorado has had this weird reputation for not being analytically savvy. When I think, honestly, and and here's where I will join the chorus of some of the critiques of Dick Monfort in particular. I, I thought there were a couple of things that he said yesterday that showed a bit of a out of touch with modern, with modernity. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Um, I don't have many thoughts on the TV deal stuff. My biggest t- takeaway from that, because we still don't have any specifics, so I don't know what to tell you all. The one thing he said was he thought the TV deal was going to be more lucrative than it turned out to be, but he's still very happy with it. They don't get any money for that until 2021, so it doesn't help with next year's budget. So sorry about that, but that was kind of it. Uh, I don't know the nuances and, and specifics of television contracts. Out of that, he talked about not getting streaming, and he mentioned it several times, like he just doesn't understand how people watch things on their computer, and even kind of made a joke about, you know, if I just get to my TV and it doesn't work right, I get mad, and he kind of gave an old man speech, you know, it takes me forever to figure out how to make the TV work. And it's kind of funny and mildly endearing, just as a, a, a human trait, but I think it speaks to somebody who's not sure why he should invest in newer technologies. And I do think that this has put the Rockies behind the eight ball a bit for years. He didn't offer an answer to my question. Jeff Breidich and Bud Black both jumped in. And my question was this. What has been the role of analytics over the last several years? And how has that grown and evolved And how can we expect it to continue to grow and evolve? And both Breidich and Bud Black did something I did not expect them to do. They didn't have to do. You heard me just for, that was almost exactly, I can rephrase my own question, right? And so they both admitted that they've been behind in this area and need to catch up. To me, This was my biggest takeaway of the whole thing. It wasn't Nolan Arenado's opt-out or the budget that we already knew was going to be tight or any of these other kind of drama things. This was fascinating because they admitted that other teams in baseball have a three or four or five-year head start when it comes to their analytics departments that they talked about it like they're still getting used to how to do it, how to do it right, how to do it well, how to implement it in a way that makes everybody better as opposed to also just, you know, having the research and the resources to go out and find the information. But they both said, we have to do better at this. And this is a way at which we can solve these issues 
because we're not going to go sign Madison Bumgarner. If if you're worried about the internal improvement part of it, right, this should be a major component to it. How do you make sure you're getting the absolute best out of the ball players you already have? My hope from an analytics standpoint is that they can start to get things like maybe don't play the outfield quite so deep. You're going to need to pitch up a little bit more. You're going to need to pitch in a little bit more. You're going to need to be more patient at the plate all the time because of the hangover and Coors effect. There are a lot of these things from a philosophical standpoint they can do to make themselves better. Bud Blacktalk specifically, he put it on himself. He said, you know, we got away from some pitching principles that we really shouldn't have this year. We stopped doing things and and maybe even I stopped preaching some things that we've got to get back to doing. Now, he's not going to go into specifics because he shouldn't. Because if he tells me or us, uh, oh, yeah, we, we, we want to put pitch up and in to right-handed batters with our left-handed pitchers a little bit more. Well, then all the right-handed batters across baseball are going, oh, okay, I'm going to look for that when I face a Rockies lefty. So you can't do that. He can't get real specific. But this is where I, I really wish I would have asked the follow-up, and, and I hope I get an opportunity to. But one way or another, we'll, we'll see it play out or not. But I wanted to ask Dick Monfort, so will you invest more in this part of the game? Because this is where you can get more bang for your buck. This is where the Rockies can make themselves better, not by going out and signing a $9 million reliever to replace the $9 million reliever they already have who's not pitching well, but to go out and find a way to maximize the talents of that 13-person, 26-year-old average core that we're talking about. How can they make more outs on defense to help out their pitchers? How can they be a bit more of a consistent offensive team? How can they maximize what they have? And in order to do that, they need to invest in the newest technologies. They need to invest probably in more people, they need to hire more people who understand the data and can effectively communicate that data to the baseball players in a way that allows them to take their natural athletic instincts and make an adjustment that will make them better. And there are a lot of teams in baseball. People ask, how do the Dodgers and the Astros and the Yankees grab these guys who haven't been good in other places, and turn Max Muncy into a friggin' perennial all-star candidate. Well, this is how. This is the way. And it's not, you know, they're still going to have more money to spend, but the Rockies can, both Jeff Breidich and Bud Black said straight to my face, we got to catch up here. And some of that's got to be on Dick Monfort. He's got to give them the resources to catch up. So if they're not going to go spend $30 million on Madison Bumgarner, they shouldn't. If they're not going to spend 8 to $10 million on Tanner Roark, which they should, <laughs> but if they can't, dropping $5 million into the research and development or analytics department would probably be a more valuable use of their resources than spending $5 million on a veteran reliever. Just let the young guys figure it out. Bring in some people to help them figure it out. This is where they can do this thing if they catch up in this regard because the talent is there. The The talent around the edges needs solved. It needs fixing. And some of that 
figuring out what talent you can go get is going to be affected by this as well. How how informed Bud Black and Jeff Breidich truly are when it comes to all of the data that could possibly be presented. People who are on the cutting edge of thinking about the game of baseball, they need more of those. And so... Yeah, I, I thought that whole conversation was fascinating because they readily admitted that they haven't been as good in this area, that they need to get better in this area, uh, but but also that they're learning and that it is something that's become more and more and more and more a part of the organization. And I think this is a unique opportunity now where they don't have money to spend, big money to spend, huge splash money to spend, to maybe look at a different way of allocating resources to make your ball club better coming up with some creative solutions and i talked earlier about you you can make all kinds of trades and things like that but you can also adapt some philosophical changes that will make you a better baseball team and i fundamentally fundamentally believe after having just watched every single pitch of the 2019 season that a lot of what hurt the rockies was philosophy rather than talent level. There were times it was talent level. There were absolutely times it was talent level. Um, but there were plenty of times the outfield's playing too deep, shifting a little bit more than they need to. Some of these little things can help win you baseball games that would have turned around a season like this. And as I was saying earlier, I think this is one of those places where I just fundamentally disagree with people who I, I saw somebody say today i can't believe the rockies still think that they were actually good in 2017 and 2018 and didn't just get lucky well i'm right there with them love it hate it leave it but they didn't just get lucky they were a good baseball team in 2017 they were a better baseball team in 2018 they had every opportunity to be an even better one in 2019 and on paper they were and had things lined up for them a little bit differently and had, in my mind, two individuals in particular not completely imploded, Freeland and Wade Davis. The Rockies are adding at the trade deadline, finishing strong probably in the 80, mid-80s, maybe challenging for the wild card, maybe not getting there because the, there were still plenty of rough patches. But a lot of people look at this team that I was going to say finished in last place. They, they technically didn't. They managed to not finish in last place. But still, looking at a last place baseball team, you know, they're awful. They're terrible. That 70 wins is who they really are. The 91 was an illusion without recognizing that it's much more, at the very least, closer to being somewhere in the middle there. And it really isn't going to take a huge number of moves to turn this team right back into a 90-win ball club. It just has to be the right moves. And I get that that's what... And that's why so much attention is being put on Jeff Breidich right now. It's about faith. Do you believe he will make the right moves? I don't know. We're going to hang out and find out. We're going to see. But we're not going to come out and say it's impossible or he's not even trying. Because that's also clearly... Not the case. There are a lot of ways in which this team can get better. Let's see which avenues they try to take. But they were never going to be able to spend their way out of this problem anyway. 
I truly believe, and I know people will think I'm crazy for it, that this is a fundamentally sound baseball team with some very real problems around the edges. And we'll learn more and more as we move throughout the offseason about what the Rockies' priorities are, how they're going to make themselves better, what they think they can accomplish. But I'll reiterate for one final time here. Them coming back with a very similar roster in 2020 does not mean that they're coming back with a very similar team. New team concepts, new team philosophies, new guys and new jobs. Old guys out of their old jobs. These things fundamentally change the way a baseball team can play as well. We tend to get caught in the trap of thinking the only way teams change is when they get rid of people or when they bring people in. But we saw from 2018 to 2019 that that's not true, right? With mostly the same group, minus a LeMahieu and an Adovino and plus a Murphy and a whatever, and mostly the same group. 20-game difference. Going to be a very interesting offseason. Very interesting. But try not to forget how good the core of the Colorado Rockies is when you start seeing these moves that are mostly going to be about ironing out those edges. Thank you all for hanging out with me through a long day today, a couple of podcasts. Uh, I'm not at my best. I, I hope these were listenable. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. But it's been, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's been a, a long day. So thank you all for hanging out, listening. Hopefully you're following us on all the social media, giving us a like, share, and subscribe on your podcast apps, subscribing to DNVR, getting yourself a free shirt, Checking out all the fantastic coverage that our Nuggets, Avalanche, and Broncos guys are doing. Uh, we're going to keep bringing you content throughout the entire offseason, so don't go anywhere. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff planned coming up here very soon, and we're going to keep having conversations like this. So thank you for continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Okay. We've done all the talking about money, so who wants to make some? Everybody. Everyone wants to make money. Well, here's the easiest way you can add a few bucks to your wallet. Denver's newest travel hack is here. Drift shares locally owned cars with incoming travelers at Denver Airport for a better experience than car rental. Skip the chaos to save some time and fees when you book. Or you can share your car to earn and park for free while you travel. Plus, there's no under 25 fee rule, so it's perfect for friends coming to visit. Drift is great if you're just going home for break and perfect for extended travel like a semester abroad. Allstate Insurance covers your car every trip, and Drift cleans it inside and out. That's right. Even if your car isn't rented out while you travel, Drift will still clean your car upon your arrival. Get all the info on drivedrift.com. That's drivedrift.com.